maybe you go, I'm Dan, and I go, I'm CJ, and welcome to Dan and CJ Versus. Uh, and then um, we talk about how the show is about us tackling uh, one thing from pop culture and yeah. seeing how it is seeing what ripple effects it might have on the culture at large. Actually, you know what? That should just be this should just be the intro itself. Yeah. You just you just <laughs> intro like for this first episode, that should be the intro. <laughs> Uh, yeah of just you saying okay you're gonna do this we're gonna do this and then this is gonna be this is gonna be the show we're gonna do it (laughs) honestly because who needs a structure this this early in the game that's true one of the one of the things with other podcast ventures i have is i was like i always want to be just you know pop rocket coming right out of the gate with like we have this 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 we are a show yeah and uh yeah usually usually doesn't work out that way but um but generally like i said we're here to talk about a pop culture thing and how it uh, is going to have ripple effects for pop culture at large but yeah. the reason that i wanted to have this conversation is one to talk about the new black mirror television interactive film experience yes. or whatever they're calling it bandersnatch yes. bandersnatch or as i like to call it boondersnooch <laughs> Because what is that name? Bandersnatch. It sounds sounds like some sort of, it sounds like a jazzercise course or something. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a a literary reference. It's to Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland. There is a poem called the Jabberwocky. Yes. And in that poem, uh, there is another creature that is not the Jabberwocky that is called the Bandersnatch. Oh, yeah, uh, the I don't know if okay. you saw the Disney Alice in Wonderland from 2012. I think is when it came. No, not 2012. 2010. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I did like briefly. Like I I like I like vaguely remember it. I have yeah, it on same. DVD. It, there's, well, there's a Bandersnatch in that. It's, it's okay. A, it's a big cat thing. I don't remember anything about that. Well, yeah, I would say that I've seen a video essay about it on YouTube. So I sort of <laughs> recall a little bit more thanks to that. But I went to okay. go see it after like a robotics competition when I was in high school. And that makes sense. And uh, okay. I fell asleep on it. All I know is Alice got to Wonderland and then I woke up <laughs> and Avril Lavigne <laughs> was screaming at me. So. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yes, yeah. before we dive into before we dive into the boomer snooch, um, <laughs> why don't we give the viewers at home a little context, like give them like a brief origin story about how how we met and how we have how we have developed our friendship. Yeah. Um, so we met on a Facebook group yes. um, where people gathered to talk about films. Well, yeah. OK, let's say we met on a Facebook group of people gathered to talk about films involving comic book superheroes. And yes. Sometimes uh, and sometimes award season stuff when they feel a lot of, feisty. <laughs> yeah, a good portion. Of, yeah, a good portion of the conversation that I was involved in was was primarily award season stuff, because eventually after a point, I just got really tired of talking about superheroes movies even though i love them <laughs> yeah. because, because you want people to watch more stuff yeah be more well-rounded and things like that you also want people to give things chances I, i'm a big proponent of not going into everything that you experience thinking that it's going to be the best thing you've ever seen because True. we live on the internet and on the internet everything is either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever There's exactly no nope. um, <laughs> <laughs> so now i just go see any old thing uh yeah <laughs> if it's about a superhero if it's about old ladies uh, making a book club for Fifty Shades of Grey, because uh, I did, I went to go see that. Um, I, I, I just, I just go see movies. And when we sort of started talking outside of the group, it was tend to be more about movies and music, and then it just became a complete pop cultural smorgasbord of, yes. "Hey, did you see this thing? Here's what I think yeah. about this thing." And, yeah, and that, uh, that, 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 that's generally how like most of the conversation conversations with people in that group have sort of turned to at this point and mm-hmm. over like the last few because we've known each other for like two years now yeah because of the movie group i joined the movie group because i was looking for an outlet to like share some of the stuff that i was making yeah. on top of just talking talking to people about movies on top of on top of um, being a podcaster and being someone who likes to talk pop culture i, I also am a, a filmmaker and a musician and i work full-time at a visual effects company um 
doing essentially assistant work for uh, artists who make visual effects and fine tuning stuff for advertising. So like a lot of the commercials that you see and stuff like that. So yeah, I was just trying to find an outlet uh, in terms of expressing the things that I had, I had made and I wanted to share with people. And I found a community there of like a, a small community of people that I would just talk to. And now a lot of the conversations about that was like, we talk more about pop culture in general and mm-hmm. uh, CJ and I sort of just had this idea of like, well, we're, we're already like just having these conversations and they're very, they're very fascinating because we kind of just like, like pull everything apart at the threads. And then we examine each individual thread and going like, well, what does this mean? What? I don't understand. Like, how does this connect to this and whatnot? And like, I think it could translate well into a podcast. So that's why we are here uh, talking to you today. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's how most things like to start. People go, yeah. We were having these conversations anyway. Let's just have them in a way where we don't have to type and, and worry about spelling and diction. Um, and maybe other people will enjoy what we're, what we're talking about. <laughs> maybe, maybe, just maybe. Just maybe. We were originally going to call this like not another pop culture podcast because it was like we were like, really? Does anybody really need another one of these? Because what the zeitgeist needs is like two more cis dudes. Talking about, uh, talking about the world and the culture that it produces, but exactly. Uh, but then we found out that then 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 we found out that um, <laughs> that not another podcast. <laughs> is already a thing and it's about actual yeah. important stuff so we would like to have that stuff. so yes um but yeah i uh i think that uh, people are here to talk or to hear us talk about some bandersnatch and yes. Dan and CJ versus the Bandersnatch <laughs> versus the Bandersnatch. It's like, yeah, like we're gonna we're gonna do. We're just gonna recite a poem of us yeah. like going to war against the Bandersnatch from Alice in Wonderland. Get those uh, get those those nice silly words from Lewis Carroll, Frumius yes. and such. Um, yes. I want to talk a little bit first about Black Mirror. Yeah, on the whole, Black Mirror as a show came out in 2011, I believe, on the BBC first. Uh, oh, before really? It moved to Netflix. Yeah, I watched the first season of Black Mirror when it came out and loved it. That's how I found out about Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, oh, he was on. The, he was on he the was, first season. Yeah, he was uh, in one of the episodes. I believe the third episode of the first season. See, um, one of the good things about this podcast is that we generally cover each other's bases because I have not, <laughs> outside of Bandersnatch, <laughs> I have not seen a single episode of Black Mirror out of like out of like almost a want to not all the big television like spectacle events like. Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, uh, Black Mirror, I've all those seen things. Game of Thrones I've, either, so don't don't look forward to a Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're not gonna have. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Game of Thrones fans. Um, I just, yeah, I just have willfully decided not to check them out out of just being like, you know what? I'll make I'll make time for it eventually. Yeah, I, I think that's. Also- there's something to be said about uh, when back in the day, there used to be a conversation. That's what they would call like the water cooler, talking around the water cooler. Yeah. Where it, when it was Dallas, it was like who shot JR? It was this big cultural right. thing, but there's so yeah. much stuff. There's I'm too much stu- culture I'm, now. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop saying content. So there's so much <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and you that- know my frustrations <laughs> with that word. I had a tweet go viral as a result of my frustrations with that word. You did, you did. So I'm stopping. The, the, just because it, 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 it feels so much easier to sort of encapsulate it all. But there is so yeah. much stuff that there's it's things, very yeah. it's very difficult to have uh, a conversation. There's so many conversations. So there's a lot of people exactly. who just I'll be a part of this one. I don't need to be a part of this one. The thing right. about Game of Thrones, I I just couldn't get into it. It's very violent. Uh, yeah. Almost for two years, every time I heard about it on Twitter or anything like that <laughs> is because there was like there would in, it would involve a rape scene and I'm not yeah. I'm really a rape in a movie is a, a sore spot for me I can't I, I, I tend not to be able to handle it but and then also just through cultural osmosis there's so many people that die and I know everybody who dies I know that yeah. the only people alive now are you know some dragons and uh, Kalishas and 
and yeah, uh, 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 Amelia Clark is alive. I know that uh, Jon Snow is alive mm-hmm. and um, Peter Dinklage is alive. I know them by their actors' names more so than I do the whether or not yeah. they're Targaryens or <laughs> Lannisters but, or whatever. But to get us out of this like cul-de-sac of a yes and, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that back back to Black Mirror. The thing about Black Mirror is the the whole conceit behind it is yeah. that it's a peek into the future. There's slight sci-fi concepts that are reminiscent of the world in which we live today. Right. And uh, how technological advancement could go wrong. Like the first season has an episode where a, um, I believe a a terrorist organization says that they're going to um, commit a mass terrorist act if the prime minister of Britain does not have sex with a pig on live TV. Mm. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes, yeah, so I've heard a, of there that. There was episode. like a cyber crime thing. The one with Daniel yeah. Kaluuya has to do with a lot of um, it, it, with a reality show kind of thing, and sort of mm. like a sort of drony passive entertainment culture. And then yes. the best one, in my opinion, is one with Donald uh, Donald Gleason. That's how you pronounce his name. And, Donald? Yeah, Donald. Like, okay. Yep. He said it on TV. That's uh, yeah. That's what. I, in the same way as uh, um, Zendaya, I had to stop saying Zendaya because. <laughs> um, but yeah, Donald Gleason and Haley Atwell. They play a couple. Donald Gleason's character perishes in a car accident, but they have this technology where they can give you this synthetic avatar body and bring it to life as a lost loved one using the contents of their social media profiles. Ooh. And it's fantastic. That's actually, that's, it's, that's fascinating. It's that's fantastic. Actually, that's, oh. And I think um, now, at least domestically here, and I think around the world, uh, Black Mirror airs exclusively on Netflix for the yeah. past like couple of seasons. I didn't really watch any of those seasons. They didn't do much. Uh, they weren't really doing much for me. There was a Star Trek parody one with Jesse Plemons yes. that came out a yeah. couple of years ago uh, that yeah. was really hot and I thought I was like okay whatever but they it, they really have been trying to one position it as a new Twilight Zone yeah they, they just won an Emmy last year right they won an Emmy I, yeah, for like so. a writing a writing award yeah. I think for I one think of for the episodes the one, with, uh, the one I believe that it was called Black Museum and had Letitia Wright in it from Black Panther yeah. and yeah. people do like it and I think people yeah. like it in the same way that they like you know Cormac McCarthy it, people like dystopia and yeah. And eh, I don't know. I don't think you've been missing much of anything not okay. being attached to, to Black Mirror. But okay. with this, I wanted I wanted us to to engage with Bandersnatch in particular because it features this gimmicky thing where you get to choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. And that, I've always been fascinated by that concept because uh, I was actually on a project in where I put together an electronic press kit for a director who was trying to pitch a television show mm-hmm. that... That was choose your own. And I don't remember the specifics of it, but it was about like a, a vampire working in a hospital or something like that. I don't know. Some sort of a vampire. I, I, I don't remember the full specifics about it, um, but it was it was choose your own. And there was like a myriad of different uh, pathways and episodes that could lead you to specific uh, a specific conclusion, not multiple specific conclusions, but just like the conclusion of a series. And I think to my knowledge, I think Steven Soderbergh made a thing that is very similar in where you watched a show and you engaged with the episodes of the show on an app and you picked the specific pathways uh, and like you followed the you followed specific characters and their their whole storylines and their character arcs, which led to the conclusion, which was the seat, I guess, I guess the quote unquote season finale. Um, And that that's interesting because it's it's following you're following multiple characters through an interweaving storyline but you're still choosing you're still choosing the different outcomes along the way which is just like I feel like the premise of Bandersnatch is far simpler than that of what they were trying to accomplish through their pitches and their shows um, but but it was still a fascinating idea like it's it's been talked about of being like interactive entertainment in such a way it's been talked about for as long as like Jim Henson's been around Jim Henson was like tossing around the idea of, of doing some sort of interactive movie or interactive television show um, and he was he was like the king of interactivity and when it when it came to television shows because he just like he innovated in terms of like being able to add that extra layer of 
of uh, interesting techniques and, 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 and modalities of presenting educational ideas through Sesame Street and just trying to figure out ways to innovate within the boundaries of television and film and all that stuff. So I've always been fascinated by that. The problem is uh, when I engaged with this, it was one of, I, I told you this last night after I finished, it was, it was one of the most joyless experiences I've ever had watching a, a movie. <laughs> Before we get into that, I think it's it would be who of us to tell people what Bandersnatch is about. It's about a game designer yes. who is gets an opportunity to work for one of his favorite game publishers, and this takes place in the 1980s to create yeah. a old school computer game that he is basing on a gothic fantasy book from his youth, and yeah. from that they let him start working on the game, and he. I guess goes crazy because yeah he goes crazy because the author of the book also went crazy yes and there's a it sounds like there's a lot of moving pieces but there really aren't it isn't uh, no yeah it's, it's a pretty Whitehead, simple story yeah Finn Whitehead from Dunkirk is the main guy and he's sort of flanked also by Will Poulter yes as a, a uh, mentor I, yeah and I you know I mean if we're talking performances all the characters in the in they, they do serviceable jobs to what yeah. they're given. They were given. And I imagine it was very interesting to be on set shooting all the different possible outcomes. Yeah, I think so too. And I don't want to sound like I'm dismissing it because yeah. I think my initial reaction to it, a lot of people felt like that I was completely dismissing it. I think this is a fascinating idea. It is. But the first version of it that I tried, I would have wanted to find a little bit more, you know, pleasantness out of enjoyment and that's not yeah. really black mirrors thing um, right this this isn't the bleakness of it really isn't anything out of the ordinary for black mirror right all, all of the episodes tend to tend to be like this sure. but i think that one mistake that they sort of run into is this idea that things need to comment on themselves we've sort of gone because yeah. you called it meta and we've yeah. sort of gone past meta to the point because yeah. i think i think I think meta it's like, is Deadpool because Deadpool is one of those things that it is, is a yeah. thing, um, and it's also common. It's also like commenting on the thing, but this is sort of a thing yeah. that's commenting on the thing that's commenting on you for yeah. watching the thing. And it's yeah. and it, I was like, this is really simple and also way too ambitious at the same time. You, you, you get you get whiplash from like whipping your head around at all the self reflexivity that was going on yeah. in the text. Um, like immediately when I first started to go through it and I picked a choice and uh, Will Poulter's character goes up to Finn Whitehead and goes wrong path. I was like, oh, we're going there. We're going there with that. OK. All right. Yeah. I like I but I thought I, I thought that was an interesting touch. I, I like I'll admit that when when it first started, I was like, oh, that's an interesting touch about how to implement maybe like, oh, the, you weren't meant to go this way. Uh, here's an ending and you have to cycle back around to you have to cycle back around to the beginning. Well, the, um, but that that was that was cool. It was when it just started to almost like beat you over the head with the idea of like you are you are controlling this person this is a video game when it's supposed to be like a movie that you watch yeah one of the things that i think also hindered it is the fact that we're really not used to engaging with the idea of a choose your own adventure thing within this format really choose your own adventures people most know them because of like novels and yeah. where if you reach a dead end or you reach a certain uh point in your path it'll say go to page insert page number here and yeah. that'll take you elsewhere with this yeah. <clears throat> and it's a lot more active with this you're 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 passive because you're watching it, but also the decisions that you make are so few far, uh, few and far between that yeah. when you do have to go back and you have to sort of double back and see where else you can go, there are these like long periods of them letting you choose, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. Um, which I think deters the sort of default version, true as well. And yeah, I was. It, it's that... one, these things don't really mesh as well as I think. They'd yeah. like you to believe it. I do. think, I mean, like in this execution, the reason why I think it kind of like it falters 
is that I mean the narrative structure and the whole the whole technology that they built for this thing is some of the most impressive programming work and some of the most interesting ways to keep the flow of a narrative going while still involving you in the process of making the choices. Um, it would have been interesting. It would have been interesting to actually see whether or not um, there were certain choices that go faster as opposed to like. Le- because like you don't spend like five seconds every time making a decision on something. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about less about the actual uh, film Bandersnatch and what this technology might mean for Netflix going forward. Yeah, because like we said before, or, or I don't know if we were recording when we talked about that. Um, hmm. The uh, this is going to be 2019, the first year of the Great Streaming Wars, and yes. everybody is looking for a leg up, whether that be catalog, whether that be things like uh, on on Pop Culture Happy Hour, uh, Stephen Thompson, who works for NPR, said that uh, he believed that Netflix was going to try and get into live sports going forward. And I was like, I can see that happening, but also they need something to sort of keep themselves on top because major, major brands and major, major companies are coming in and trying to eat their lunch. Yeah. Uh, And which uh, is funny because Netflix has been eating everybody else's lunch for like a few years now. Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't, it wasn't there like a report saying that Netflix wasn't really like making as much returns on things as they, as they've been investing into products. Well, I feel like anybody could have told you that when they decided that they were going to, for a single year, spend $8 billion on original programming. Yeah. But and until we see those numbers, we don't know because Netflix doesn't release like viewing numbers and so on and so and ratings and so on and so forth. Until we see those numbers, we can't really tell. But I have a hard time believing that Netflix isn't hemorrhaging money and they're trying to acquire and invent as much as they can to mm-hmm. keep themselves above water. Yeah. Um, which is why, you know, every single day there's at least 20 new things on Netflix constantly. Yeah. Uh, which also does a disservice to the programming that they have because a lot of it just ends up getting lost in the shuffle. There's a movie called Private yeah. Life with Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti that I haven't seen yet, but it's, uh, it's on my queue. I had to go find it. I don't remember mm-hmm. a single trailer for it. I don't remember a single piece of promotion for it. Um, but like it was enough for Catherine Hahn and, and Paul Giamatti's names to be sort of buzzing just outside of the Oscar conversation yep. this year. What? <laughs> yeah. And How is that? Like, that's not even the it's it's not even a movie that I've heard of. Yeah. And I was like, wow, OK, well, maybe maybe I should check that out. Uh, yeah. But every time you get on Netflix, even if you have the intention of watching something, it's just like the only honestly, the only reason I watch Bandersnatch is because I saw it. I thought it looked interesting. I was there to watch the Nailed It holiday specials. <laughs> I, <laughs> honestly, it's so it's it's like a shopping mall. It's like a Walmart. Netflix is Walmart. Yeah, because it is, I can it is see like that. a Walmart because you go into Walmart. Walmart and you are making chicken parm tonight and you need the ingredients for chicken parm and yeah. you walk out of Walmart with a hundred dollars worth of stuff that you just said, oh, that'll be nice. Oh, I forgot I needed that. Oh, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, that's what it is. And yeah. I, I don't know how sustainable of a, if not a business model, I don't know how sustainable a creative model that is. Right. Exa- exactly. I mean, like it's the same, it's the same thing that they essentially took over what Blockbuster and Suncoast Video were. Ooh, shout out because to Suncoast Video. Suncoast those video was literally the only like there was like there was this one oh there was this one like <laughs> mom and pop shop down mm-hmm. the street from where I live currently without at where where when we would grow up we would used to go rent videos from it was called West Coast Video and then there and then in the mall the shopping malls like where I live mm-hmm. New Jersey is just essentially mall territory so yeah. you, like that's where you went to do things there was this one place called uh, Sun Coast Video, yep. which was which was like the competitor for Blockbuster. Down in the, the Oak Park Mall uh, here in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Right next to so, the and Journey then, Shoes. And then, yeah. <laughs> And then you had, uh, and then you had Blockbuster. Uh, and, and I essentially, I essentially think that like, as we started to transition over into computers and the internet, that's what mm-hmm. Netflix started to occupy that space. 
And that was this is what they've become. They've become the the blockbuster and Suncoast of the Internet. But they don't just want to be the blockbuster. They want to be they want to be the studio and distributor. They also yeah, this want would, to this, be this the would Disney be Channel. If, they also want to be yeah. uh, Hallmark. And yeah, it, they this is like if uh, Blockbuster had in the 90s been like, you know what, guys, we're going to start making movies. We're going to open up Blockbuster Studios. I'm surprised that that didn't happen. Well, and maybe just it seemed a little bit more perilous back then. I know Blockbuster yeah. had the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. Uh, they did. But outside, they did. <laughs> which is, uh, which is they are a sight. the most entertaining award show in the history of award shows. Truly. So fascinating. Go look it up on YouTube. They have like the full record. Like if if we have show notes for this episode, we should list the, I will, the I will list link one of them. Yeah. Link some of link some of the most choice uh moments from from so those award shows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and that's also something interesting to talk about too that further down the line is um the the half-life of nostalgia. Yeah, and that's how true. That works. Netflix is essentially trying to do everything at once. They're becoming the Walmart of home entertainment. Now, Targets and Costco's are about to show up and dilute some of that business. And yeah. I think it's definitely exciting that they're experimenting with stuff like this. Yeah, because competition makes everybody get better. I think. Yeah, but the this first one, by nature of it being sort of short sided in some ways right sort of lackluster in terms of story and um and also by nature of being a part of black mirror so oppressively dour yeah i think uh is really turning people off it got people talking Uh, it did it it got the conversation away from fucking bird box for a second (laughs) (laughs) we're back to that now because there's a bird box challenge on youtube (laughs) yeah i I don't. I don't care. I know. N- neither do <laughs> I. I haven't. I just know that it exists and it's a thing that's happening. But you're right. You you are definitely right that it is. Um. It it's it's got it's getting people talking. Yeah. Um. Which it which is, you have to you have to do. I saw more people talking about programming from Netflix on Facebook two or three weeks because of Bird Box and yeah. Bandersnatch than yeah. I saw for basically anything that wasn't like Black Panther last year. Um, right. So, I mean, if that sort of engagement, if they can keep coming up with stuff to keep that engagement going, I say more power to them. Yeah. I, I just, I really wish we had a little bit more insight to the inner workings. I wish they weren't so, uh, so distinctly Knowles Carter about how they keep their, <laughs> their numbers <laughs> and, and operations going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's truly it's truly fascinating because i mean like i'm interested to see whether or not they can actually like write a better story around this platform or this this method because there's no again i i i mentioned the fact that this was it was one of the most joyless experiences that i've ever had watching a movie there are characters they're acting and they're acting well but i have nothing to I have nothing to go off of in terms of emotional resonance other than oh uh, you get to pick their their favorite music oh you get to pick what they have for breakfast in the morning essentially essentially I was and 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 I guess this is I guess this kind of lends to the question of like what what did the future what the future of entertainment is going to be like at this point like like what what's going to inform how we empathize with characters on screen um but it's just like I didn't I didn't resonate resonate with the characters at all. I didn't resonate with resonate with the experience outside of I'm making these choices. I'm finding this end. And it's just getting it's getting very confusing that I keep reaching certain endpoints and I have to cycle back around to do another endpoint and then cycle back around again to do another endpoint. And there's nothing that it didn't it I didn't reach a conclusion. Yeah, like, I don't you know? think that we'll ever get to a point where this is a norm because it is a gimmick. I think the thing yeah. about stories is they work best when uh, they're told and they have a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Um, and if you have a beginning 
several middles and five ends, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, well, I'm thinking of story in that way. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the people that are going to like become coming out of the woodwork saying this is what informed their, their ability to, to make movies. Because like, I just, I just imagine this being like a thing where, you know, coming out of inception, you had all the, the Nolan bros being like, Oh, Nolan is my ride or die. Um, and I was one of those, I was one of those kids. I was, I was at an, an impressionable enough age to where Inception informed what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, I I wanted to make movies because Inception wore its craft on its sleeve so very like it, very much in your face. And yeah. this is one of those movies. This it, is one of those think? movies that does. Yeah, because it because it wears its craft. It wears the meta text of what it is on its sleeve. And young, young, impressionable people will be seeing this for the first time. And it'll be their first experience with meta textual things. Okay. And usually when that happens, everybody's like, oh, my goodness, there's this whole there's this whole world where you could just like keep referencing stuff. Well, and so we're just going to have like this whole legion of like bander bros just being like, <laughs> yo, this yo, is what yo, this is yo, what yo, yo, Formed my <laughs> filmmaking taste. I think, um, ban- gross, bandit gross. <laughs> I think I would be more inclined to jump on that with you five or so years ago. Yeah. The thing is that now meta textuality is so prevalent in almost everything that we consume that yeah. Bandersnatch being the thing that sparks that seems a little outlandish to me just because it's not the best version of of that thing that we have but yeah, also yeah, yeah. i don't but also i don't know if we have a best version of of that thing in terms of metatextuality just because like i, I was pointing to deadpool earlier i saw vice uh on christmas mm. day uh is a film that is trying to do a lot with metatextuality, right? It, not not just with like dialogue or just the story, but just the general structure of the film, right? And uh, it has you know some decent performances. It works very hard to reaffirm my own political worldview. It's also mm. a very bad movie. <laughs> and <laughs> I think with all of that sort of inward reflexivity that culture is trying to do, I think it's also important for them to recognize that if you're going to make a film that is commentary, if you're going to make anything that is commentary, like, do you remember the song Girl in a Country Song by Maddie and Tay? I'm not sure how into country music or if at all you are. But <laughs> there was a... <laughs> There's a song called Girl in a Country Song by this these two girls named Maddie and Tay, I believe. And I feel like I vaguely have heard of it. Yeah, but it vaguely. was very much a song that was structured like a bro country song. Yeah. But was the all of the lyrics were about the stereotypes for women that bro country has in yeah. music. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a pretty mo- uh, moderate hit. And I like that song a lot. My number one thing about metatextuality is the conduit for it also has to be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Bandersnatch, unfortunately, is not a good thing. No, it's not. I mean, like, if you want to if you want to go to good metatext, I mean, go watch a Bo Burnham show, you know? Go, go, go. Community is a good example of, of effective metatext where it's not over, where it's not beating you over the head with the fact that it is, it, it is self-aware. There's a, so much, there's so many there's so many different things that are just executed on uh, on a and a more nuanced level that will offer a more engaging and emotional experience uh, for for people. And, and not to say that someone can't come along and make something truly great yeah. with this, that this exactly. can't be whittled down into something that is good um just know that they have the 4d theaters now yeah i love yeah. going to the 4d theater to see something big and dumb i really wish one of the times i got to see aquaman was in the 4d theater but <laughs> yeah. the um i love going to the 4d theater because uh it's such an immersive experience i'm not going to the 4D theater to see every single movie. I don't. I don't need the, sh- the seats to be a rumbling when I see like first reformed. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you know, 
um, but, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily want to be a want to have like a, uh, experiences uh, ex- it, like full full blown physical experiences watching something like Hereditary or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in the same way that maybe we get Paul Feig or someone to come in and do a romantic comedy. Yeah, that that's yeah, that could it, be one, that could be super fascinating. One of those things, like um, I think it was Anchorman, the second Anchorman film that had an entirely different cut on its home video release. Oh, um, really? Because so many of these comedies involve improv. Multiple takes, yeah. Multiple takes. There's so many jokes and stuff they didn't even use in the movie. So they kept the basic structure of the film and re-peppered it with mm. a, a, an alternate version that had a bunch of different jokes that were not in the, the theatrical film. Right. And... I think that that would have been a more interesting way to uh, yeah. to to jump onto this, or or is an interesting way to sort of continue it. Have uh, someone, a Mark Webb, uh, Paul Feig, come in and um, make a romantic comedy that maybe has two middles and three endings, and then have yeah. everyone improv and stuff like that. And you and and then you can because not only would the interactivity sort of be a little bit more concise, but then also people are having fun while doing it. Yeah, that that and that's the and that's the more important thing in the fact yeah. that like, you know, that that could be like the problem with Bandersmack I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm saying it wrong again and I'm just going to call it Boondersnooch. Uh, <laughs> the problem the problem with it is that it's a very solitary experience. So it's like it's putting you in the position of you are a character in this. You are the solitary character controlling this other solitary character. And that is the and that is what it is. And that it, that is all it can be. But like, what if what if the choose your own adventure aspect was a group experience mm-hmm. and like you invited friends over for movie night and. And the new and the new movie premiered and you were the ones dictating the end result of the movie because because of the mood in the room. Like you have like you have something like it's almost like a like a Jackbox sort of thing. Have you mm-hmm. ever played Jackbox stuff? Oh, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when we do our work retreats, uh, there's yeah. a lot of Jackbox stuff going on. Yeah, it's so much fun because like it's based solely on the mood of the of the people in the room. And it's like dictating the ebb and flow of like all the jokes that are coming out It's based on the di- the different environments that you're in. And so with that, with that element of like having it be, having it be an event for people to come and hang out and, and, and do stuff with, I think you could create a more interesting experience, um, out with, with this technology, because you will be cultivating and curating something larger than just the solitary experience of watching a movie. And then just so happen to be controlling the main character of the movie and lean into the idea that it's a gimmick because the minute that you uh, start trying to make art with a gimmick, it's I think that it's really easy to mistake the gimmick for the art. Right. (laughs) And right. Exactly. I I, I think you have to watch out for that. Yeah. And I I think that's where I think that's again that I think that's where uh, the whole the thing that I was putting together for that one pitch. I think Mm -hmm. that's where it was going is that it's a passive it's a passive it's a passive experience ultimately, but you are choosing where you are, the the direction that you're taking it in. If there's a character that you are specifically interested in, they have that entire story for that character plotted out. You can yeah. just click through and figure out what that character does and where it, where that person ends up at the end of the movie or end of the show. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> I think we've uh, we've covered as much as we can cover from Bandersnatch without yes. completely spoiling it. True, um, uh, Bandersnatch, uh, which is a presentation from Black Mirror is available on Netflix streaming right now. Yes. I believe that so long as you are on your phone, like a mobile device, or have Netflix powered through an external device like a Roku or something like that, Bandersnatch should work perfectly for for you. I think that some people were having issues with it uh, and not being able to not being able to view it. But aside from Bandersnatch, I wanted to see if you had pop culture predictions for the year Mm. and also if you had any resolutions for yourself and your own personal relationship with popular culture. So sure, uh, sure. with it, um, we can start with the predictions. <laughs> That's cool. Can, can, can you go, can you go first? Yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah. hear what I'm, I'm, uh, in, I, well, yeah, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Well, prediction wise, um, my first one is that we are going to see a 
not dramatic, but a marked decline in interest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe post Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are sort of coming upon the sort of culmination of what I, when we weren't recording, what I referred to as the Marvel era of yes. mass entertainment right. um, because which I call it that because Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been so successful that its success has informed the rest of culture for about a yes. decade now exactly <laughs> everything else is responding to it it's trying to be it it's trying to be different from it it's it's rebuffing it in some way so I think that we might see a wind down coming and maybe they'll come out with some new thing um, maybe they Right. Retire the Avengers brand and move on to a new team that they can build up like that. I don't know what'll happen. I just think that we're coming to a cusp, a sort of cutting off point for a number of people who have engaged with this on a certain level for the past 10 years or 11 years now. We're also coming to the conclusion of Star Wars in terms of like the original Mm -hmm. story. I think that the idea of slowing down on Star Wars is a very good idea because we have Mm -hmm. objectively too much Star Wars right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm interested in whether or not, because I would like that franchise to move beyond the sort of legacy of the Skywalkers. But also, I don't know if anybody else really wants that. (laughs) You know, it's it's one of those things like I always tell people that in my perfect world, the Marvel Cinematic Universe would end after Avengers Endgame. (laughs) Yeah. But nobody else really seems to want that or care about that happening. So, So that that's my first one is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that corner of the Disney empire will uh, take a, a little bit of a downturn in interest and we'll see that reflected towards the end of the year and going forward. If I had to make another prediction, I would say that we are going to see a a bit of a, a sea change over at YouTube. Yes. Yes. Just because indeed. there's a lot of unrest to go. Like even as someone who is not super tapped into sort of the YouTuber culture, right. you can you can very much tell that there's like a lot of unrest going on over there. There is. Yeah. And you could probably speak to that more than I could, but uh, I think that I'm not entirely sure what it's going to be, but that site is, is sort of gunning for a reckoning and it's going to be interesting to see how they traverse it. Yeah. Um, Hmm. It's a yeah. It's an inter- it's an interesting it's an interesting thought because uh, I genuinely don't know the future of the platform. It's not as easy to plot out as and, and I think I think most I think most social platforms the future is not really easy to plot out for it. But uh, I agree. I, I agree that something something is going to come and it's going to it's going to change the way that people uh, create stuff on that platform. Yeah, I will predict that the old guard and now the old guard. I just I feel like the old guard is people who were making music like before 2010 at this point. That's what yeah. we can call the old guard because there's so many new people out there because old guard musicians have sort of been slipping up lately within the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, even just like the sort those sort of in-between people, like the 1975 released a project that I wasn't really feeling at all that right. just seemed a little confused. I enjoy it mostly as a sort of Beyonce completist and stuff, but uh, Beyonce and mm-hmm. Jay-Z's Everything is Love, yeah. um, I think was not as strong as those those two uh, preceding efforts, Lemonade and 444. Yes. Um, and the sort of engagement with it really shows that I'm sort of not alone in that fact. Ariana sure. Grande, who is arguably the biggest pop star in the world of the sort of new crop, yeah. it, she released an album that the public wasn't really feeling and it seems like she wasn't really feeling it either because she <laughs> yeah, smack exactly. dab in the middle of like a new promotional cycle for a new exactly. album. Exactly. So, um, and I think that the old guard is going to come back swinging yeah. and I would put the hopes and dreams of all of us who miss those artists onto one place and that is Rihanna. Yeah. I think Rihanna I is going to come back and I think she's going to come back swinging. She's taking a couple of years off, you know, making sure the girl's face is a beat and that the titties are sitting pretty and now she is uh she's gonna get back in the studio and i think she's gonna deliver us some heat so those yeah. are my, my pop culture yeah. predictions going oh forward. wow yeah she's gonna come out swinging with like the new sound of dance music i, I, I so can too. feel that 
Yeah, because like whatever, regardless of your opinion on Rihanna, she has pretty much dictated the the sound of dance music for over the last like decade that she's been active. I'm pretty yep. sure. So uh, whatever whatever music that she, and I think I think she's got a project uh, on top of the movie that she's making with Donald Glover. I think she's got a project with him in the works, or he might be or work- is that like a long form music video project. It is a movie, to my okay. knowledge. Like I saw the like I watched the I watched yeah, somebody's I- cell. Phone. Yeah, I watched somebody's cell phone footage of the trailer because mm-hmm. it because it premiered it's it premiered somewhere like during a concert of a, a Childish Gambino concert. Um, and I think it's supposed to be a movie because it played like a movie. So okay. that's that's I'm I'm very interested to see where that goes. I'm very interested to see if Donald Glover has contributed in any way to Rihanna's project. Uh, that should be it should be really exciting to see what comes from those two because they are they are the auteurs of the music industry, if you will. Yeah, I, like I, some of I some of the two uh, biggest auteurs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. You know me. I'm very. Uh, I'm very into uh, the idea of Rihanna, comma actress. So <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Am, So anything in, in that respect as well, I'm interested in seeing. Uh, those are those are my predictions. Okay. Uh, for pop culture in 2018 and okay. beyond. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. In terms of mine, I'm going to try and going to try and keep this brief. I'm trying to trying to think of like good ones. I think we'll start to see an uptick in artists who are more open about the process of of making their stuff. You, okay. you started to see this a little bit in terms of how they've been documenting their documenting the process of their work. But I think 2019 and more more importantly, when when 2020 hits, we're going to start to see all artists around all the time with a videographer. Um, we're going to see full on documentaries of album cycles and the making of those album cycles. Uh, and we will see just a lot more, a lot more video based things from artists. Like I watched this, I watched, oh, who, who was it? Oh, I'm so mad. I know who this, it, she, she's a great up and coming artist and Noisy, the publication Noisy did a, a, a documentary about her life. And it was, it was made in such a way that it lived between nonfiction documentary and fictional music video. It like lived between those two oh, wow. stages. And cause like the moments where, she, where, where, she, where you, it was very slice of life. You saw what, what was going on in her life. Mm-hmm. And, um, then there were also aspects of it where her music was playing and it was, it almost seemed like it switched and almost served as like the transition into the next part of the story. And it was like the music and a small music video, uh, led into another direction of the story. So I think we're going to see a lot more creativity in regards to what artists are going to be doing with video platforms. Cause right now, Right now, and I think I've I've been having conversations with people about this. Is that I don't I think everybody is just doing here is video, video is there, people watch video, and then I'm just gonna go back and make more video. I think there's going to be a lot more of a fluid interactive experience and more of a creative utilization of the platforms that are available to present more video work and filmmaking work in the context of album cycles. That's gonna okay. be that's gonna be a big a big step in terms of. Uh, music. In terms of filmmaking, I think we're going to see more YouTube films and docu-series. Um, the whole Shane Dawson docu-series uh, stint that he went on and like for the la- for the latter half of the year. Where he um, tried did to not spookify even- Jake Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but he but he did it for he did it for like two other people, uh, I think, as well. Like he covered a person and then the specific events surrounding that person and then tried to get it deeper more. And then it was like it was it was this weird thing where it was like it was a documentary about that person. But then it was also about Shane Dawson and as a person as well, because yeah, it, like, and, and again, th- uh, that's another thing where it's like, this is cool meta, different, cool example of meta text being in use because it's like, it's a person commenting on a person, but also mm-hmm. it's, it's a person looking at themselves as well and being like, what, what, what has my life been like? Um, I think we're going to see that a lot more from YouTubers. I think we're going to see a lot more YouTube films being released, be, mm-hmm. uh, not YouTube films. I'm should, I should say films being released on the platform YouTube. Like somebody's going to take the platform seriously enough to debut a feature film on the platform. Okay. And it's going wow. to be co- completely from, or at least like people are going to start to frequently post uh, sh- short films. Like I just, 
I he- I keep hearing conversations from creators, especially like I was I was just listening to I was just listening to an interview with David Dobrik, who is one of the biggest creators on the platform at the moment. And he was talking about, he was like, he, I want to make a coming of age high school movie for mm-hmm. my generation. That and seems to I, be the YouTuber go-to, I feel yeah, like. Just I, and not to he, say that it's on the same level as eighth grade, but even like the Fine Brothers, like yeah. like they're always, everyone just seems to be like, oh, well, we're, we're going to use it. And I think that might have to do with the notion or the idea that the platform still still has sort of younger audiences as right. the major demographic. Right. And I, I mean, like, and there are also, there's also room for it to happen because I, I maybe, maybe just because it didn't hit at the right time, or maybe it was because it was the wrong time. You had studios, you had studios that was, that were born out of YouTube, like Rocket Jump, like Wong Fu Productions, who were putting mm-hmm. out like high quality short Fu. films. They're some of, they're some of the best, they're some of the best filmmakers on the platform and and they're really they hit at a perfect time but they hit at at a time where hollywood was not looking at the platform and Mm -hmm. now because they are it's going to like somebody putting out a feature film on youtube is going to be a much bigger deal so when somebody like david dobrik is going to be like okay i'm going to cast and direct and 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 make this whole film uh that i want to make I'm going to post it on YouTube and it's going to be like, it's going to be like one of those things. I have a feeling that we're going to see something like that within like the next couple of years because people, I I, I, I also notice that people are more invested now in longer things, like longer uh, YouTube uh, videos and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Long, longer, longer run times for things mm-hmm. like in terms of uh, if, if we wanted to talk, if we wanted to talk about our personal meta text, they like the passive experience of listening to a podcast for like an hour mm-hmm. and a half. Uh, they like the experience of watching something where you ha- where you watching or experiencing something where you're being taken through a story and you are coming to a logical conclusion with that story. So I feel like the next inevitable step is somebody is going to make a film and release it on YouTube and it is going to it is and it is going to be it is going to attract way more buzz than prior films in the past. What do you think about old Hollywood standards like your your sort of mega stars of yesterday and today invading YouTube as a platform um, like Will Smith? Um, I like, I am, I like I am the gonna stuff. be afraid to yeah. look at Will Smith's profile when that Aladdin rollout starts because <laughs> I just feel like it's going to be incessant. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I think I, I like I like the stuff that Will Smith has put out, and I think Will Smith has made a concerted effort to try and interact with the community. The whole thing that he did with the filmmakers yes theory in where they challenged him to heli bungee out of a out of a, a helicopter into the grand canyon i think that was a whole really cool interesting interactive multimedia experience because the challenge started was like yes theory was like hey everybody go comment on will's uh youtube channel saying that yes theory challenged you to heli bungee and mm. that and that was what that was what caught his attention. And that was that that was and then him making a video was another point in the story. So it was yeah. like it was the filmmakers and the and the and the celebrities and the actors and then the fans all being a part of this interactive experience, which informed this grand story that resulted in the end live stream where Will successfully heli bungeed into the Grand Canyon. In, in, so like in contrast to like, say, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, when like a big deal was made about him getting a YouTube channel and his YouTube channel channel was just basically like self-made memes about himself. Right. And I think I think the issue with with The Rock right now is that he is killing it in terms of his presence as a movie star. Yeah. Yeah. He's like he's one of he's one of the most he's one of the most popular movie stars in the current day. So he already has sort of, he sees it as like a kind of tiny thing on the side where he kind of just throws stuff to where Will Smith sees it as an outlet uh, for his, for his own creative thing, for his own creative process. Um, And he's, and he stressed that through his videos, which I think I I really appreciate. Um, And it, and I think it's the reason why you see him being more relevant than the rock in certain instances, because then Will Smith will drop, for example, last year he dropped like, I don't know, a few bars of him, of him rapping again and everybody was like oh my gosh is the fresh prince back is he making more music and like <laughs> the hype the hype around that started like oh man we're gonna get an album from will smith very soon and like he used mm-hmm. he used the he used the uh, outlet with that. which he 
with which he wanted to communicate to to his audience. And he was able to go viral as a result and become more relevant in the in the popular culture conversation by way of uh, of doing that. So every everything that he's done has been has been really smart. And I think he's he's uh, really grown into his own as somebody who who creates and iterates on the platform. So I'm interested to see other celebrities do that. Like I want, like I want, I've always been, I've always said this forever. Justin Bieber needs to have a podcast because it would be the most fascinating <laughs> thing anybody could listen to. Everybody would be interested in that podcast and podcasting would essentially be done. Like, honestly, you, like you, a, I, I know he's, a, I, because of cultural osmosis, obviously, I know that he is married now. Yeah. Him yeah. and uh, him and I believe, is it Alec Baldwin's daughter he's married to? So, one, one of them. The yes. Uh, Haley Baldwin. The two of them, they'd just be like a more famous version of that. What Jenna Marbles does. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like the both of them could have a podcast and then they could invite on their friends yeah. and just have a, have a conversation with them. And people would probably lose their minds because that was, that would be where they would get. That would totally undercut the paparazzi industry like that, mm -hmm. because you would get the direct truth from that, from those people. Well, going back to, um, well, interesting that you say that because I think that that same thing happened for, I mean, it didn't sort of end well, obviously, but that same sort of thing happened right. with Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt. Yeah. Uh, Anna Ferris's podcast is fantastic. Right. And it was fun to, when, you know, Chris would show up and their, their famous friends would show up and stuff like that. Uh, it gives people a little insight in that, uh, in that way. I think that Armchair Expert by uh, Dak Shepard is yeah. like that a lot too, because Kristen shows up there and they're very open. Yeah. And back to the Smiths. The Red I Table Talk, yeah. I, this The sort of radical openness that they're on right now, yeah. um, which I think has a lot to do with the fact that their kids are grown now. It's very um, true. But that level of sort of... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, transparency between such high profile public figures and the people who they're, I hate to say like their constituency, they're not like <laughs> they're not politicians, but no. they're the people that they, uh, the surround people themselves that with? they surround, not surround themselves to their fans, the, oh, okay. the people who, who look up to their them, audience. who view them, their audience. Yeah. Um, I think that's, been such a fascinating thing to watch. It when, has. Will, when Will showed up on the Red Table Talk, I was like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> I, I yeah, like, you like, you knew this was like appointment a possibility. viewing. I, yeah. I was like, I, I knew it was a possibility, but I didn't know that anything like it could like ever actually happen. That was like one of the few and it wasn't just like moments that it wasn't was just like, oh. like Will. It was it was Will Jada. And and their daughter. And so it's just, you're just like, whoa, what are they yeah. going to talk about? <laughs> and, they, and they talk about some real, interesting, uh, authentic stuff. And I think that maybe going forward, you know, I don't think that, you know, 2019 is going to be the year that, that, you know, Beyonce starts talking to us again. But, uh, <laughs> the most we get out of Beyonce is sing it y'all at the concert. Yeah, I was going to say, if, that, if that's the case, if that was the case, then my entire, so by the time, by the time this might come out, you, I, this episode, this episode might already be released. I'm making a, I'm making an episode for a new show that I'm starting this week called The Mixdown. And in The Mixdown, one of the episodes is, uh, examining the difference between two event artists, namely Beyonce and Ariana Grande, and the way in which they release their work and communicate with their audience. If Beyonce starts to like do something like have a podcast, then that would just completely completely undercut the whole yeah. the whole examination <laughs> of that not, video. <laughs> yeah, not, not to say that it actually uh, will ever happen. It's, it's one of those things where you're talking about that sort of having a videographer. Beyonce yes. very much does have a videographer. The only thing about it is you literally only see those things and even like home movies and stuff from them stuff that other people just put on instagram you only see yeah. that stuff at like a concert it is because she it's always like has it's a like a massive screen or something to and show it's that always stuff. it's always perfectly crafted mm. like everything everything is done to a t nothing nothing is like it's it's not in the same way that you're somebody's gonna throw something up on youtube where it might be, it might seem a little amateurish, you know, it's always like perfect editing, perfect, uh, perfect colorization of the, or like all the, the grading and the sepia tone and the whatnot. 
it's always it, set to some new arrangement of Halo. It's, yeah, it's yeah. you know, and yeah, uh, and which I think, which I think is fine. One of the one of the weirdest things about people's interaction with Beyonce in particular is that they sort of like chastise her for the way she gave interviews, and now we chastise yeah. her for not giving interviews, yeah. and not being open, and right. there's no real way to win that argument, but. I think that other celebrities, to your point earlier about Ariana Grande, have gotten a little bit more transparent about how they're feeling. Yes. In general. Yeah. Which I think is so good and so cathartic because Ariana Grande had a horrible like two years. Yes. Uh, I feel like uh, not, not like agree. in terms of her career, but let's just I feel like personally and things that were happening to her and around her. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think that going forward, I'd be interested to see if if that kind of thing happens. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, yeah, and that's what and that's what I'm saying. Like the forum of a podcast, and where people would get the information straight from the people, and they would have the conversations that are necessary, are going to be the way and the way of the future. And I think that'll undercut. I think I think you're going to start to see less and less of the TMZs and the paparazzis and all that stuff. And okay. you're just going to get you're going to get that information straight from the source. Yeah, those make a lot of sense to me. Um, and. Uh, in terms of pop culture resolutions that I have for t- uh, 2018, one, I would like to start playing video games again. Kingdom Hearts 3, which is the video game series that I held out the longest for. I love Kingdom Hearts. It's one of the weirdest things Disney ever licensed their stuff out to do. It is a giant yeah. video game mashup between Final Fantasy and various and sundry Disney properties. True. It's and one of the most, yeah, it's one of the most interesting things that I've ever seen. It's one of the most interesting creative risks that I've ever seen Disney take. Yeah. And the first one came out, I believe, in 2003. Yes. The, or no, or 2002, 2003. The yeah. second one came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. And I waited upon bated breath because <laughs> it was supposed to come out with place, the PlayStation 3 and within the original like two or three year launch of the PlayStation 3. Never right. did. Then it right. was supposed to come out multi-platform style for PlayStation 3 and uh, Xbox 360 when I was like in high school. Never happened. Yep. So when they started talking about it a couple years ago, they were like, 2019, it's coming. And I just, I feel like it's, uh, it's like, you know, Brandy's next album. It's never going to get here. And and now like they have a release date. It has a cover. There's been trailers, video game footage. People have been laying down vocals for that English dub. And I want to play it. I want to play it. And I want to play that new Spider-Man game because it looks fantastic it does um, it really does so yeah that's that's one of my resolutions i'm gonna i'm gonna around tax return time <laughs> i'm gonna get a console and <laughs> i'm gonna start playing video games again so that's one i want to start listening to more rap music uh, particularly mm. that of female rappers that are not cardi b or Nicki minaj i love yes. cardi b she's the people's champ uh yes. Nicki minaj is a person who is also here i think uh, she exists. I, she exists. Within the past few months, I've been getting into like Nitty Scott and Princess Nokia and Megan mm-hmm. Stallion, who's my personal new favorite, Dej mm-hmm. Loaf, all those people. So I really want to get into that uh, and more into rap uh, because it does end up outside of like big stuff. It does end up being kind of a blind spot for me. Yeah. Um, I hope, even though I want rap production to move past trap, it, yes. it's becoming a little monotonous for me. Actually, it's been monotonous for me for a very long time. Uh, it was monotonous. It was not it, like when it started coming out, it was kind of monotonous for me. I was like, uh, the first song that I heard, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I like this. And then after like two or three, I was like, okay, yeah. I, I'm ready for something jumping new. Jumping on that <laughs> and everything sort of just sounds the same. There's just a very flat sonic landscape for it People it's mood it's mood it's, music it's mood music it's like music. ambience and i and i want a little bit more music because rappers are capable of uh more advanced musicality than that so i i, I, I want agree. that to show up a little more uh you know let's leave fake snares in 2018 um <laughs> real snares <laughs> or human snares, snares like there. this one <laughs> That's a snare. 
Um, do just use it. <laughs> I, 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 every every producer use the, go onto this podcast, grab that grab that sample that I just gave you, and you can use that as a as a free snare. I'm giving you a free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, more rap music, and um, to this year, utilize the hell out of this AMC A list thing I have. Yeah, so. Even if you see just two movies a week on it uh, yeah. or just one movie a week on it, it's 20 bucks a month. So not that I'm giving them promo or whatever, but right. the, um, but it Sponsor pays for us, itself. AMC. Sponsor, Sponsor us. us. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, you pay you pay 20 bucks a month and it pays for itself pretty fast. So I want to utilize it more. I want to get the full potential out of it. I want to go see Aquaman again with a friend of mine and we get there and I didn't realize I had been accumulating all this stuff because they get you the way they get you is like ostensibly bonuses, your, yeah yeah ostensibly your movie is free so you get there you're like <laughs> oh yeah i gotta change my pocket for concessions so i'm always <laughs> i'm always buying concessions at the movie theater now and apparently that always ends up in points so we got like 30 dollars worth of concessions for like six bucks it was great wow um wow yeah, so especially down here, that's that's a deal, deal, deal. And, yes. And my last pop culture prediction is for television. I think that Disney Plus streaming service. Yes. Is going to get off to a bit of a rough start. It will. I think. I think any. I think any streaming platform that starts this year is going to get off to a rough yeah, start. We're not even in predictions anymore. I was doing resolutions. Yeah, I, only I, had one, I only had one more, uh, one, uh, uh, not one. Was it going to be that, was it going to be that you were going to subscribe to Disney plus or? Uh, <laughs> that, that's just going to happen. It's, it's one of those things that like, I got, I don't know. It's inevitable. $20, $20 left in my, uh, checking account until the next check. <laughs> oh, uh, new Beyonce album on iTunes, $14.99. Well, she'll, um, Beyonce has so Why much not? of my money. Beyonce has so much of my money. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, wait. Uh, I actually, I I only have one pop culture one resolution. Re- resolution at the moment, and that pop culture resolution is to contribute to pop culture. Okay. <laughs> that is it. Uh, it seems to be seems to be like this is going to be the year of me making more videos, making yeah. more music, doing stuff like this podcast. Just, just I, I I have been. I have been given these gifts and I want to contribute my little piece to the world with them. So that is my, that is my ultimate singular goal, uh, for, for this year. Sweet, 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 sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I definitely see that for you and, and I'm, I'm trying to get on, I'm definitely trying to get on that train too. I'm trying to write more, just sit down and write blank, blank pages are very scary. It's true. Um, It's very true. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to it. So yeah, I definitely see that. I think we finished the first episode of a show. I think we did too. Insane. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) This has been Dan and CJ Versus. You can find me at CJ Talks on Instagram and at CJ Talking on Twitter. And for me, you can find me everywhere at the D Purcell, P-U-R-C-E-L-L. And those links will be in the description box. As well as links to Blockbuster entertainment awards entertainment awards and uh links to uh dan's new song day by day hey which is awesome thank you so uh so yeah all that in the description box below wonderful we'll see you guys later yes we'll see you guys very soon bye bye